Imagine your loved one starts to experience shortness of breath, tightness in the chest, or if it's a woman, indigestion, or maybe pain in a shoulder. These are some of the warning signs of a heart attack. But my intention is not to make you depressed. I actually want to make it a fun episode in which I'm going to talk about what contributes to heart attacks and to plaques forming in your arteries and the ways you can probably prevent it. But before I continue, I just want to remind you, I'm not a doctor. I did go to pharmacy school, but it doesn't qualify me to give you health advice. Consider all of this as general education. My goal is to just give you better understanding of what's going on so you can make better decisions about learning stuff. Now to the fun stuff. Let's talk about cholesterol. But before I do, here's a word from our sponsor. Cholesterol kind of got a bad rap. In the modern world of overeating and under-exercising, we keep talking about this because it leads to heart attacks. But that's not what its main purpose is in the body. Let me make a clear distinction. There are lipids, and there are four kinds of lipids. Cholesterol is just one of them. There's cholesterol, there's cholesterol esters, uh, there's phospholipids and triglycerides. And you've probably heard about cholesterol and triglycerides because that's what you commonly see on your blood work, right? You know what the crazy part is? You know what's one of the most highly decorated small molecules in biology? Well, cholesterol. Yes, it was discovered in 1784, back in the day, and it contributed to 13 Nobel Prizes. Imagine 13 Nobel Prizes were received for discovering whatever this molecule does. So it's not a secret that uh, our cells are made of cholesterol as well. It's basically a structural component of our cell membranes. And it's not just cells. You know what else needs cholesterol to work well? Well, cholesterol is converted to steroid hormones as well, like sex steroids such as androgens, estrogens, or progestins, or even adrenal steroids such as cortisol, aldosterone, or others. So this begs the question, what impact do you think you're going to have on your sex hormones if you limit your cholesterol, if you don't consume a balanced diet that has enough cholesterol in it, what do you think is going to happen to your androgens, estrogens, or cortisol, or aldosterone? Well, for the most part, it's going to be fine at the beginning, but if you sustain this deficient diet, then you might run into problems. How do we measure cholesterol? Well, you normally do it by fasting. You do fasting lipid panel, which requires you to not eat for 9 to 12 hours. And your doctor is mostly interested in the total cholesterol, high-density and low-density cholesterol, as well as triglycerides. And if there's going to be just one thing that I want you to take away from this podcast is two things. The low-density cholesterol is the one that's associated with disease. So you want to have it as low as possible, normally less than 100. It's normally in micrograms per deciliter, but I don't want you to remember that because you'll be given that by your doctor. But remember, LDL, low-density, has to be less than 100. And a high-density one is the one that's not associated with disease. It's actually like a sponge. It's the one that's picking up basically the bad cholesterol from all over your body and just takes it back to the liver. And since we're talking about HDL, remember that women can have a higher HDL. Why? It's because of estrogen. Women have higher estrogen. And estrogen tends to drive high-density lipoproteins up. So women can have a higher HDL than men, and that's because of estrogen. There's nothing you can do. So besides turning into hormones, cholesterol also does other things, and there are two major functions for cholesterol. Uh, the first one is it transports triglycerides to fat tissue or muscle. It basically acts as an energy source. And the second function is the transportation of cholesterol to peripheral tissue for membrane synthesis, like you synthesize your cells and membranes, uh, or for steroid hormone production or bile synthesis. 
So to summarize, cholesterol is really important for your body because it's basically utilized in making your cells and your cells keep dividing, replicating, repairing themselves. And you need cholesterol to make new ones. And basically the second thing is cholesterol makes a lot of very important hormones, such as regulating the amount of pressure or water you have in your veins, basically your water retention using aldosterone, and many other hormones, such as the male hormones, female hormones, as well as stress hormones. Here's the coolest part. Here's another thing I want you to take away from this podcast. Cholesterol is consumed, and cholesterol is also produced by your body. Guess what's more? As it turns out, you produce more cholesterol than you consume. Yes, yes, yes. So the synthesized cholesterol is about 800 milligrams a day, and it's synthesized by your liver. Whether you want it or not, it's done at night. That is the reason why when you take your cholesterol pills, you have to take them at night because most of the cholesterol is produced when you're actually asleep. Once again, the highest production of cholesterol happens at night when you're asleep. And that's the reason why you take your cholesterol pills at night. It's not a coincidence when the doctor tells you to do that. So your liver produces about 800 milligrams a day in a normal person, uh, and you consume about 300 milligrams a day, or you're supposed to consume that much. So all in all, about 1,100 milligrams a day comes out from your feces. Everything stays in balance because you lose cells and cholesterol comes out, gets recycled, and so on and so forth. So then if the cholesterol gets produced in the liver, what happens to the cholesterol that gets basically produced outside of the liver? The cell turnover and so on and so forth, because you know you also have storages of cholesterol outside of your liver as well. A little bit, not much. Well, HDL basically takes care of that. HDL goes into the outside tissues and it basically picks up the what's called the extrahepatic uh, cholesterol and basically brings it back to the liver. So the more of the HDL you have, the more of those sponges you have to go pick up the bad cholesterol and basically bring it back to the liver or to the large intestine from which you're just going to poop it out. So now we can propose that if somebody has high cholesterol, then this whole balance has been basically out of whack. And one of the measures that we see in people who have high cholesterol is that we find that there's an inverse relationship between high-density lipoprotein cholesterol levels and coronary artery disease. So the lower your HDL is, the higher the chances that you might have a coronary artery disease. And remember, the HDL is like the sponges, right? So the less sponges you have to collect the cholesterol from the arteries outside and bring it back to the liver, the higher the chances that you might have those the cholesterol actually accumulate in your arteries. Let me quickly summarize. Cholesterol metabolism disbalance is what causes people to have high cholesterol and then suffer from heart attacks and so on and so forth. But why does that? Why, why why does the whole thing happen? How do people get high lipid disorders? Normally, people suffer from three different types of lipid disorders. Uh, one has to do with uh, high cholesterol. The second one has to do with triglycerides, and finally, the third one has to do with both together. The first one with high cholesterol basically comes down to autosomal dominant genetic disorder that results in dysfunction of the LDL receptor. Remember how I told you that HDL goes and picks up uh, the cholesterol, like the LDL, and brings it back to the liver? Well, guess what? What if that receptor on the liver is broken or not working well, and the liver is not taking back the LDL, the cholesterol, so it can recycle it and for you to poop it out? And that is the exact reason for what's called the FH, the familial hypercholesterolemia. Some people have a defective gene that produces a defective, basically a defective receptor on the liver 
that's not accepting back the LDL. If the LDL is not accepted back, it goes back into the circulation and starts to accumulate in the arteries. Not good news. You know how many people have that in the world? Every one out of 250 people. Remember how I told you that the normal cholesterol has to be at around 100? Well, these people with FH have a cholesterol level of between 300 to 350. There are a couple of other reasons why somebody might have high cholesterol. Let me name a few. Maybe it'll ring a bell. Hyperthyroidism, liver disease, uh, or maybe drug-induced. If somebody's taking thiazides or glucocorticoids or cyclosporines. Another thing is diabetes as well. If somebody's obese or overweight, somebody has a poorly controlled diabetes uh, type 1 or type 2, doesn't matter. If you have uh, high blood sugar, you're bound to basically produce more cholesterol. Now, I'm going to talk about this in a future episode when we cover diabetes. If you're interested, let me know. And finally, last but not least, high carb diet. When I talk about high carb diet, this means that over 60% of your energy intake comes in from carbs. I've mentioned before that you have to have a balanced diet. Uh, the balanced diet consists of carbohydrates, proteins, as well as fats. If your total energy comes from carbohydrates only, and if 60% of that energy or above is from carbohydrates, then you are at a higher risk of having high cholesterol. And remember, if you're taking a specific type of blood pressure medication, uh, and this class is called beta blockers, then uh, those are basically inducing for you to have high cholesterol levels. It's called drug-induced. To summarize this part, and this is the penultimate part, we only have one part left to go, is that uh, somebody can have high cholesterol because of genetic reasons, such as FH that we've talked about previously. Uh, somebody can have uh, pre-existing conditions such as diabetes or hypothyroidism or liver disease, or maybe somebody's uh, drinking too much alcohol, for example, uh, and also from just eating way too many carbohydrates. If your energy intake is more than 60% uh, from carbohydrates, then you are at a higher risk. This is not an all-exhaustive list. We find new things all the time, and there are way more things to consider. So if you're interested, just uh, have a conversation with your doctor or even have a conversation with your pharmacist. They are really educated on this, and uh, they do know the interactions between the drugs that you're currently taking, and some of them, such as beta blockers, might cause for you to have high cholesterol. Now let's talk about what happens when you have high cholesterol and how prevalent it is. It is estimated that 28.5 million adults have total cholesterol of over 240 milligrams per deciliter. Based on the most recent guidelines by ACC, or American Heart Association, 56 million, or 48.6% of U.S. adults over 40 years of age are eligible for statin ter therapy, and statins are normally used to lower cholesterol. So imagine half the U.S. population based on the guideline, is eligible to start taking drugs to prevent high cholesterol because their cholesterol is so high. What happens over time when you have high cholesterol? Uh, think about it this way. When you're first born, your arteries are basically squeaky clean. They've got nothing in them, and the blood cells and the blood can pass through with no problem. What happens throughout life is that cholesterol continues to accumulate in your body, and you start to get what's called atherosclerotic plaques in your arteries. It's when the excess cholesterol due to diets or many other reasons that I've talked about before starts to accumulate inside your arteries. What happens throughout life is that the cholesterol starts to accumulate inside the arteries and people start to get a buildup of that cholesterol that is called atherosclerotic plaques. 
The craziest part is that uh, a lot of people think that these plaques accumulate on the walls of the arteries. No, it's not true. It actually accumulates inside the walls of the arteries, which makes it really difficult to take them out. Let me give you a perfect illustration. Think about two straws, the ones that you use to drink Pepsi, Coca-Cola, or water. Imagine one straw is has a wider diameter than the other one, so one thicker uh, than the other one, the other one's thinner. Imagine you place the thin one inside the thick one. There's space between the thin and the thick straw. Imagine that's the wall of the artery. Your blood circulation goes through the thin one, and as the cholesterol starts to accumulate in your body, it starts to basically penetrate through the thin one inside the space between the thin and the thick one. This is how I can describe atherosclerotic plaques. As they accumulate inside the artery walls, it starts to cause inflammation. This inflammation, after a while, starts to basically recruit blood cells to cover it up. So now you have fat inside your arteries that is covered up by basically your body. It kind of creates a sac. As the life progresses, these sacs are getting thicker and thicker, making the diameter of the artery smaller and smaller. These plaques can accumulate inside the periphery, such as in the arms and the legs. They can accumulate in renal arteries, such as the ones inside the kidneys. And they can also accumulate inside the heart. Pretty much everywhere you have arteries, and you have arteries everywhere. There are two types of plaques, such as vulnerable and stable. The vulnerable ones are the ones that are more likely, have thinner walls that are more likely to burst and open and basically clogs up the whole artery. And the stable ones just basically have a thick fibrous cap Remember how I told you when the cholesterol goes inside the artery, it basically gets covered by your immune cells. So these are the ones, and it's hard to predict which one the person is going to get, but the ones that are more stable, uh, they're called stable, they have a thicker fibrous cap, and uh, they basically have uh, less blood flow through the vessel. However, they're more stable, and they're not as likely to break. What happens ultimately is that cholesterol builds up in the artery and it basically closes it up to the point where it's really hard for the blood to go through and people may experience uh, peripheral artery disease, such as in the legs, having a hard time walking, or somebody can even experience heart issues because some of the arteries that are supplying blood into the heart are getting clogged up. And this is when you hear about people getting stents in their hearts in the coronary artery as because it's been clogged up. And stent is basically nothing else but a little mesh that's getting placed inside the artery that's been clogged up and uh, the diameter has been reduced all the way down uh, to just open it up. Imagine getting a metal mesh with a balloon attached to it and then you blow up the balloon, the mesh opens up and locks into place and basically pushes the artery walls to the sides, freeing blood flow. Do not think for a second that it's a solution uh, because these things, these stents themselves, can cause... Uh, issues as well. They could cause blood clotting and so on and so forth. That's the reason why uh, people start taking medications after they're getting a stent in order to prevent blood clots from happening, but they still, they still do happen. So there are thousands of things to talk about, but one giveaway that I want you to take from this is that cholesterol is not a bad molecule. It's very important for your body. It's also very important for you to win in a genetic lottery to not have the FH gene, basically. Uh, and uh, have uh, good predisposition for not having uh, high cholesterol uh, later down in life. And it's absolutely important and essential uh, to have a very balanced diet that strikes a great balance between 
you consuming enough fats, carbohydrates, as well as protein and fiber as well. Remember, fiber basically acts as a sponge inside your intestines, and it basically takes away some of the cholesterol. So besides the bad rep, the cholesterol is not a bad molecule. It also synthesizes all kinds of hormones and does all kinds of good stuff. But you just have to be more responsible. Whether you like it or not, you are going to get plaques as you age. It's just before it was not a problem because A, we didn't live as long as we do right now. And B, we had more of a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. And we were not consuming so much sugar as we do right now, as well as cholesterol. And we were not overeating. Please take everything I said with a grain of salt. Uh, use this for your own education uh, and research. But do talk to your doctor before you start making any changes to your diet. The world around us is very complex. And the best you can do is to take care of yourself and be good to future you. Thank you very much for tuning in. I really hope you find this series of podcasts helpful. We have a huge community on TikTok and we have a pretty large audience over here on the podcast as well. So I really do appreciate every single one of you listening to the podcast. Yes, you do, because I do look at the analytics and I do see that you guys actually listen to the whole thing. Thank you very much for your attention. Share this podcast with somebody who you think might find it interesting. And I will see you and hear you in the next one.